I'ma give it to you tasty. Bread it up, fry it, and dip it in the gravy. You want fat fish? Yeah, you know you want to try it. Dip it in the butter, make the fat count higher. Higher, higher, higher. Today's episode is brought to you by Warby Parker, an eye care brand that offers chic and modern eyewear at a revolutionary price. Simply put, your glasses shouldn't cost as much as the iPhone X. Warby Parker's prescription glasses start at $95. And they do sunglasses too. Buying glasses should be easy and risk-free, girl. Warby Parker's home try-on program lets you fall in love with your glasses in the comfort of your own home. You can choose up to five frames from hundreds of stylish options and have them shipped directly to you for free. That way, you can try all the frames and pick your favorite. And for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. Daniel wears Warby Parker, and now he can actually see me. And I'm considering a divorce. Hey! So to get started, head over to warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Again, that's warbyparkertrial.com slash kiki. Warby Parker. Modern eyewear made simple. Thanks a lot. This is Grizzly Kiki. Elenio Paquando. I'm Robert. <laughs> you knew I was going to do it. You and knew. I'm, and I'm over it. I was going to do it. I'm Daniel. Find me a new husband. You should just lean in. I do lean in. Your That's cousin came out with a really cute song. You mean her version of Single Ladies? And Annie Abakwanda. Yes, that's what it is. Like, with that gorgeous, like, Game of Thrones, like, kind of culturally like a, appropriated video. Yes. Um, yes. In, in more ways than one. Wow. Um, it's like a post-apocalyptic Single Ladies. But, like, she's in <laughs> India, and then she has, like, frostula dreads, and... I don't know, but she still looked gorgeous, and I swear she's wearing a breastplate for half of the <laughs> half of the thing because she's like you know doing the drag queen trick of the um no the necklace. No, you can see whatever this bone is, the collarbone. <laughs> this I'm featuring this, this bone, bone right, right here. here. Yeah, um, your clavicula. Um, yes, you can see both clavicles the whole time. I don't know the whole time, the whole time. Um, in case you didn't know who we're talking about, it's J Lo, mm-hmm. my play cousin, Daniel's cousin. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Lopez. Jennifer Lopez or my no, I'd probably still be in Queens. I mean, look at Linda Lopez. Wow. And the other one. Wow. Um <laughs> that's terrible. <gasps> ah! Um, I uh I am obsessed with that song. So I felt like I needed to start my day that way. It's a good song. And yours too. Except the end of the video when like the ring is falling in, I was like, Oh, really? Yeah. Like Lord of the Rings. You you know what? You can take the girl out of Castle Hill Avenue, but you can't. No, Newbold Avenue. You can't take Newbold Avenue out of the girl. I can't believe that no one has put together, and maybe it's happened and I just wasn't paying attention, but no one's put together a video of, um, like, when they're all, like, trying to grab, the, the ring is, like, falling from the sky, and they're all, like, trying to grab it before it goes into the lava. Like, why they have not put together that with this song. 
I think that would just be funny. What What are you talking about? The, there's a scene from one of the Lord of the Rings movies where they're all like the ring is falling from oh. the sky and they're all trying to keep it from falling into the why. fire. I was like, they lose an engagement ring in the fire and bright. Oh my god! Well, moving on. What have you been up to? I don't know. <laughs> this is our relationship. Right I here. mean, I come home cranky and then we podcast. No, no, no. I was talking about us having a conversation where Lord of the Rings was mentioned oh, as something we were talking about. And no, and you were surprised by me bringing it up again like five seconds after I said well, This is our relationship. Um, what are you up to? What are you, what are you doing? Um, What's going on? Nothing much. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, giving me lots to work with this week, huh? I mean, I have really have nothing going on. I'm studying new patterns. That's about it. Studying new patterns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a strapless bodice for all the drag we do in our apartment. Studying new patterns sounds like the name of a self-help book. <laughs> Studying new patterns with but Dr. I really think it's all based on the inflection because like imagine if I'd been like <laughs> studying patterns. Like that's all creepy. right. I'm bringing it back to Lord of the Rings. I'm precious. Do you want to talk about some of the stuff that we sure. have seen? Um, speaking of taking it to a place. Mm. Oh, segue. Um, over the past two weeks during our break, um, we watched A Quiet Place. The whole time? Just the whole time on repeat. Listen, I didn't remember what day it was, so I was just... It's not relevant what day it was. Shut up. Is it relevant? We watched It was a Saturday evening. We watched it here with Pissy and David. Mm. You have all the facts now. Pissy David. I said Pissy and David. Mm -hmm. Um, You have all the facts now, so um, what, what do you have to say about it? Oh, I loved it. I mean, it scared the bejesus out of me, but I thought it was really... um, you thought it was Good. scary and not suspenseful. I mean, but it was like it wasn't like in in like visually that it was scary or anything like that. I mean, it, it, you know, there were some scary moments. It's more the like the concept being scary to me. Yes, I agree with you that the concept is scary. But what we were like served by the movie was more suspense than scary. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, Annihilation was scarier. Was scarier because there are moments from that movie that haunt me. Oh, I mean, yeah, like the scene in the cabin. Yes. Or, um, oh, when they walk into that, like, building and they're in the pool and the, like, guy is, like, made of coral. Oh, yes. It's just, it's a very uh, surreal movie. Annihilation, not A Quiet Place. Yes. But the idea of these monsters that are blind, but... But were like, they blind? Because I felt like they were just p- pretending to be blind. <laughs> they were like, "Gotcha, bitch." Um, no, I think that they were blind. They, they, they. Because there were several, um, there were several instances of like hide and seek uh, throughout the movie, and I felt like while the you know the seekers were seeking, I feel like they were pretending to be blind. It's like when the thing when is you have a they... friend who pretends that they're you know. Like uh, when uh, when someone who can see pretends to be blind, it's like it's not believable because they can see. Well, yes, but I think I mean that... like a regular person. I'm not talking about like acting or whatever. Let's mm. take a turn. God Almighty, please. <laughs> um, I think that the the monsters knew that they could that that they could be seen, and so okay, you know they would hide. But, but or... if they don't have if, if they don't have sight, how? Are they aware of the concept of sight? Listen, I don't know. There's not much given. I am. These are <laughs> shut up, Robert. These are um, suppositions. 
It was pretty weird the way that they're like the the very intricate way they show their ear canal opening. You mean their concert speakers? Yeah. The, it's like a commercial for Bose. Right? Or no, or was it um oh not Magnavox, the um the the CDs or the cassettes, you know, that you would record on the guys in the chair. Yeah, that's Maxell, I think. Maxell, yeah. Uh, um I just like it like that Sonic Boom was really good. But but see the thing is to me the interesting things about the movie had to be like what I read after, mm-hmm. like about the production and how um, John John Krasinski right mm-hmm. had uh, there's only his second movie I think that he's directed and I was surprised at how like sophisticated it was yeah and how Emily Blunt at first didn't want to be in the movie but then she read the script and and was like okay well I'll work with my husband again um, and they'd also just had I think their second kid so this idea of like keeping your family safe was very um, like topical for them. Um, I wonder what the time period was between her saying no and her changing her mind. Because, like, can you imagine how many awkward meals were eaten in that home? Well, I mean, I'm sure, you know, I read an interview where they talked to her about it and it didn't seem like it was a ton of time, you know. But I think that she was just like, nah, not this time, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but even more interesting with that was that the girl whose name I, I forget the daughter, um, was the only one who was actually deaf. Mm-hmm. Like she, I'm sorry. She was, she was playing a deaf child, but she was actually deaf. Yeah. And so the biggest, um, like hurdle was essentially trying to make it look like this family had been communicating in American sign language for, you know, basically this girl's entire life. Right. And so to me, it was interesting that the actress is, was the one who really like, um, helped that come together because she would correct them as they were signing and, and like in the sentence structure and stuff and Uh saying how like, I I don't know, like a, a certain phrase if spoken would make sense and convey the, the feeling that you you're meaning to convey, but that when you sign it, what ends up coming out mm-hmm. or how it's interpreted doesn't have the same meaning. Mm-hmm. And so that I thought was very interesting that the, you know, the actress, this little girl really played a, a pivotal role in like the, the realness of, of the interactions between the, the characters. Yeah. Um, I had a friend who watched a bootleg copy of it. And um, my friend said, um, that they were surprised about all the subtitles that were in the movie um, because my friend had to add the subtitles in and it was a very time-consuming moment and it delayed the movie starting. So I just want to say on behalf of my friend, oh, who is not me, because I would never do something like that, um, on behalf of my friend who, who had this nightmare of an experience, um, please do not bootleg this film. Please yeah. um, get the uh, legal copy and um and watch it with the subtitles um that the director meant for you to watch them with <laughs> thank you <laughs> you're stupid robert um pose let's talk about pose 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 um <laughs> I, I like what was that that we just did <laughs> i don't know i love pose um i love pose too i'm obsessed Parker Posey. I'm um, obsessed. Spoiler alert. I'm about to talk about the beginning of the uh, the first episode. This. So if you care, whatever. That opening sequence when they stole the garments from the Brooklyn Museum. And I. And then showed up to the ball with the garments in garbage bags. Uh, put them on. Walked the ball. Took home the, the prize. The prize mm-hmm. Okay. 
turned around, the police were waiting for them, and they all surrendered with their wrists together. They, like, like, runway walked uh, toward the police, presenting their wrists. Like... I cannot. I, I cannot. Not only is this more than I ever, like, could have expected from this show, because I really was sadly prepared for it to be hot garbage. Right. Because I just right. was not sure. And... um. I I know one of the the location scouts who worked on the show mm. um through a friend of mine and um we were we were told that it was a, a somewhat stressful production cuz Ryan Murphy is high maintenance you know oh, okay. um but that the the cast was amazing to work with in mm. terms of you know getting them to understand the locations and you know um like dealing with the spaces and stuff so hmm yeah um yeah i'm very um i'm very excited based on the first episode for the entire season um i am very excited at the idea of one of these trans women of color uh receiving an award for their performance i think that that is very 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 likely um it's just like it didn't I didn't realize how big a moment like what what I was watching, where I was watching it, the access that the world has to it. Like this is a big fucking deal. And I hope that much like in the first 10 minutes of the episode that these ladies win all the awards, all of them. They deserve all of them. Tens across the board. Like, oh, I just have nothing like right now. I have nothing to say about the show. Watch the next episode be a piece of shit. No, that can't be. It can't happen. It just can't happen. It's that good. It's that important. There is this much like, I don't know if at stake, but like, just like opening the door, just, even if it's just to the conversation, like it's just so important. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um. but yeah, we are definitely going to be supporting Pose. It was um. what I liked about it was that it wasn't pretending to be what it's not. Which I thought was very important, you know? What did you think it was going to be? Well, you know, you know how people like to steal things from Paris's burning, right? And pretend like they were there. It's not, you know, theoretically. Not that anybody in the media would ever do that, of course. Right. Of Um, course. But um, (laughs) I, when I, like, first read about it and and saw, like, little, you know, teasers here and there, I was like, okay, this looks good. But are are they going to just basically make this... A bunch of you know Paris is burning like sound bites. Like I was really afraid of that. Um, but it does w- feel like they they the inspiration for the characters is coming directly from yeah, absolutely. Paris is burning. I mean, and, and I think like Paris is burning being as iconic and pivotal in terms of what it documented. It's that it's kind of one of the only uh, resources that people have to look at you know, what the ball culture was at that time. That's like on film, you know, and, and to really get a look into these people's lives. Um, Do you ever think about, because I, I don't ever find myself thinking about this, about the, um, the, like the, the voyeur, like the negative voyeuristic uh, element to that movie. I thought that the first time I saw it, I was like, really? yes, I felt, um, I felt like it was, <sighs> Not, not even poking fun because I feel like the filmmaker was trying to to do something, and I think that to a certain extent she did. But it's it's almost like they they were being spied on. You know, it, it, it was very voyeuristic. There yeah. was no um, active participation in 
the narrative that they were contributing to because she did like string together this narrative, but it never felt like the people being interviewed knew that there was this like, I don't know, bigger vision or whatever, you know? And I, I think that that's what makes it seem exploitative is that like, what was really the point of Paris's burning? Because, like, right. you, I think you would do that to shed light on homelessness and discrimination. And, you know, obviously, the, like, the beautiful aspects of what bulk culture is. But, you know, bulk and it, culture. And it, did do, it did do some of those it things. It did do some of those things. But, you know, at the end of the day, like, they talk about Impose. Um, uh, oh, my God, MJ. But what, what's her character's name? Blanca. Um, Blanca says to uh, Damon that, like, you know, they're, like, staring at the 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 floor of the ballroom that you know they participate in these things because in in these balls because they are basically um like accessing the things that white that um that like uh god almighty i can't get this word out wow that basically you know these like ideas of like military realness and schoolboy realness and executive realness it's these are these are places that they're not being allowed to occupy because they're people of color Mm -hmm. in a white society so they create them for themselves right in the balls but that they're perfectly capable of achieving it outside Mm -hmm. that's the thing that i think is not touched upon in a serious enough way in Paris is burning right. in that what we're seeing there, it's not like, this was not all awesome for these people. Like this was, you know, they were homeless. They were on drugs. They were escorting, you know, doing anything that they could to just survive. And sometimes dying, you know, a lot like being a extravaganza did as a result of it. Right. And that being said, that's what I think Pose is very clearly not trying to be and not pretending to be. They're not a documentary. This is not even being um, depicted in, in what I would consider to be like a real world setting. It's it's so it's almost hyper realistic because it's so glossy and slick. It's not there's no, um, you know, aside from Blanca's apartment in the Bronx, <laughs> you know, there's not a lot of that uh, like decay. Mm. that you know we saw in paris is burning and that was common in in the 80s in new york you know it was kind of dirty and gross and we don't see a lot of that right and it wasn't you know they didn't try to recreate it either um but yeah i like that part um i really did enjoy the fact that the show is like it's it's all a dream sequence Mm -hmm. like the whole thing is a dream sequence much like what the ballroom scene is Mm mm-hmm um, so I just, I really enjoyed that aspect of the production on this show. Mm-hmm. Another show that we watched, and I, I only want to touch on this briefly because I wasn't really, I mean, I, I thought it was fine. It was enjoyable, but it didn't really affect me the way that Pose did. And, and maybe it's because of the content, but, um, well. is the show Barry on HBO. Um, it was funny. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, comparing it to Pose, it's, it's they're so different. Yes, <laughs> like, they are two very, very you different know, shows. In, in, in Barry, um, but I only I only bring up Pose because we watched Barry after oh, we watched right, Pose. We so we watched like two episodes of it, and I mean, it was like I said, it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I always think it's interesting when they have these characters who are like the like the burnt out hitman. You know, um, which um, Bill Hader plays in this and him as well, who I'm used to like his comedy on SNL, you know, and and like a different side of him. It's always a little bit of a a disconnect when I see actors like that do something different. And it takes me a minute to get used to it. But um, I like how dry he is. That's very um, entertaining. Yeah. 
I think. I, I think that that's his, that's one of his like strong points is, is mm-hmm. his dry sense of humor. I love that but... the, the Chechen or Chechenian mafia is just like full of like dingbats. Like they're so dangerous, but they're also like, they, they love have, tangents. They, oh my they God. They love a tangent. Oh like, my God. Wow. But uh, the creepy looking bald one is so kooky. Yeah. Like, they're almost comical. Yeah. I well, think. I think that's their um, their their point. Ooh, but that scene with the file that was hard to watch with the teeth. <gasps> oh, <sighs> yeah. Ooh, no, yowzers. But I, I mean, go watch it. It's funny. Did you see that there was a um, college humor video where women are threatening to boycott HBO if they don't show more dongs? No, you put that in here, and I was like, what? I have not seen it. They yeah, want more dongs on. TV. I want. I want more dongs on TV. It's funny because they say um, you had a show called Hung, and we never got to see his dick, which is not true because I have those stills on my phone somewhere. Um, we definitely did get to see his dick. Hmm. It was very big. That's the good news. Was it all his though? The bad news is it was a prosthetic. Uh, um, but I'll take a. I'll listen. We, you dress it up. It, was it gray like in Boogie Nights? Um. I think this one was a little bit more uh, realistic, I would say. Otherwise, I wouldn't have kept the photos. A dick is a dick. Why can't they just be happy? That's true. Like, not not, not the women who want more dongs. I, I mean, mean, like, just use what they've got instead of the prosthetic. Like, exactly. Exactly. They all do the same thing. Well, sh- maybe. I would prefer a nice-looking, well-proportioned penis to size any day of the week okay but i'm picky i Uh, guess okay i mean i think that that's i don't know i think that's just something that it's like one of those other things that society has like you know ingrained in us that Mm -hmm. that penis size is relative to power and success and Mm -hmm. all this stuff and it's like no it's it's actually just part of your dna yeah and it's sort of a lottery i know like but, you know, it's like sometimes you don't like just because you have a big dick doesn't mean you won the big dick lottery. Because, like I said, some of them can just like like they're narrow at the base and then they taper out and then they become narrow again and look like a weird fucked up like sweet potato. <laughs> I like I or they wow. have like a weird hammerhead dick. Um, I, Like I, I know this sounds really weird, but I feel like it's like when things get too big, it's like mutant fruit. Wow. <laughs> Mutant like, fruit. Like, that's why, like, these prosthetics, they look so strange. It's like a nice average or larger okay. or small whatever. In Boogie Nights, the problem was that there was a close-up because the, the, the story of the character is like, oh, it's this, like, you know, whatever, this, like, unassuming little kid or whatever, but he's got a huge dick. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the movie, when they have the reveal, it needs to be a 13-inch dick, which I'm sure Mark Wahlberg has a beautiful penis, but it's definitely not 13 mm-hmm. inches long. If the dick prints are any indication? Well, f- yes. But anyway, my thing is, like, they needed a, a big dick, or they could have just not had that moment in the movie. It was literally an afterthought. Mm-hmm. It was put in there for shock value, which is like what everyone was trying to do in the late 90s. Mm-hmm. It was right around. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were riding the fucking showgirls wave <laughs> at that point. Like, it was so stupid. It was so stupid. <laughs> like, showgirls. so stupid. I remember when I finally got to see it because I'd heard people talk about it and talk about it and talk mm-hmm. about it. When I finally got to see it, I was like, 
that's when it happens, literally right before the credits roll. Mm-hmm. What a stupid thing. It was starting to climb. And mind you, I watched that movie because I was like, oh, somebody's dick, Mark Wahl- Wahlberg. Okay. I didn't know it was a prosthetic at that time because hmm. like it was right when the movie came out. Um, but at the end, I was like, well, that was boring. But I like the movie. Like, thank God it's a good movie. At least I think it is. I don't remember most of it. Heather Graham is really good in that, I uh. think. Like, just, the, you know, because she's on the roller skate. Anyway, it's a... Roller girl. Roller girl. Yeah. I, I've i seen the movie. I don't remember what I really about, felt for her. Basically. Like, her character had, like, my heartstrings. Oh. For some reason. Yeah, I don't remember why. I, I've heard this before, but I don't mm-hmm. remember why we're supposed to be sympathetic of her. Because I don't remember enough of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I would have to watch it again. Um, we're going to take a break, but, um, when we come back, we are going to do, um, our first in a series of stuff about pride. So stick around. We'll be right back. Oh, hi, it's me, Robert. And I have a question. Do you shop on Amazon? If so, you can be a supporter of our show. Just go to grizzlykiki.com and click the Amazon button in our menu. Anytime you shop on Amazon using our link, we'll get a small commission on everything you buy. And it's free. There's no cost to you as the money comes out of Amazon's pocket, not yours. So bookmark it, use it, and every time you buy from Amazon, you'll be helping us keep the key key going. We're back. And because June is Pride Month, we decided um, that we're going to share some experience this month and we're going to have different themes every Mm -hmm. week. Um, So this week, we're going to be talking about our first time experiencing queer media. And actually, I worded this wrong because it's not so much queer media, but the first time you remember seeing a gay person on TV. And feel free to have several options, several versions of this story. TV? Um, no, it can be TV on, the on, um, in a movie, you know, whatever, oh, okay. whatever your interpretation of media is. Okay. Do you want to go first? Oh, okay. Um, well, I was thinking about this and there are a few that stand out. Um, I mean, number one for me would be, well, you do one, I'll do one. Okay. So Let's the like first that. one, um, for me was Dr. Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture Show because my mother, um, showed us or you know had us watch the movie when i think i was like nine or ten i think because like she was like this is a really good movie and and she said it has gay people in it because my mother was very clear about like you know growing up even at a young age it was like you know there are men who like women women who like men and then there are men who like men and women who like women you know and it was very simple at that time because you know we didn't have all this understanding that we have now um so rocky horror was an educational tool for you um i don't know if it was educational i just know that she was like this movie's a lot of fun it's an important movie and oh and the you know the main character is gay i see you filling with <laughs> education Whereas I saw where you were going. It's very interesting. <laughs> it's very interesting that you were shown this movie and told this is a piece of queer film mm-hmm. um, in so many words. When the way I was introduced to it at about the same age, I think, was my brother being like, hey, you want to see something fucked up? And he pressed play. Oh, my God. Is that how you were introduced to Rocky Horror? The same way I was introduced to porn by my brother. You want to see some fucked up shit? You want to see something fucked up? Like, what like, was he showing you? It's like a woman squishing a man or something? Wow, you talk about it like you already know what it is. I, I don't. I'm just saying, like, what the hell was he showing you? Yes. Yeah, so my brother apparently is into smushing. There you go. Enjoy. 
that's what I found out at a young age, and that's what you get for showing me your porn. I mean, what the fuck did he expect? I can't believe you just said that. I can't be an idiot forever. I Maybe I as a would... child, I would be like, but I'm sure when I got older and found out what smoshing, is that what it's called? Smoshing? What's it called? Why would you take a sip of water before that? Smushing. Smushing. I think it's called smushing. Okay. Well, whatever. That's what my, my brother's into that. So you're welcome. Um, I love how you're whispering into the mic. I mean, he's he's not available, ladies, or any, whatever. Um, my, wait, are you done with yours? Um, hold on. Smushing. It is what it's called. Okay, we've moved on. Um, well, I, I think that the, <laughs> the, the thing that was so impactful about seeing Frankenfurter was that he was he was weird. He was just so damn weird. And I've had conversations about Frankenfurter with a lot of people over the course of my life. And like to me, Frankenfurter was not sexy. Frankenfurter was beautiful. And Frankenfurter was cuckoo and crazy. And there is nothing like that the first time we meet him where we don't even see his face you just see the heel clicking in the elevator and to me that's just like one of the most uh incredible introductions of a character in queer film because it's so um it's like a like a burlesque act almost yeah um but recently i was talking to a coworker of mine about rocky horror and frankenfurter in particular and she goes yeah wasn't wasn't he sexy like, she, like, wasn't Tim Curry just sexy? And I was like, ew, no femmes. No. I was like, <laughs> no, I didn't think. And I go, is that because he was wearing, um, like, skimpy underwear? And she was like, no, it's just something so, like, sexy about the fact that, you know, he was, you know, this uh, otherworldly transvestite, you know, almost genderless, really, creature. It was just hot. And I was like. Oh, I just I've wow. never I've never experienced Frankenfurter that way. So to me, it was shocking. But yeah, yeah Frankenfurter was one of the first like queer characters I was conscious of. So I don't remember the um, actually I do remember the person. I think it was Eric Roberts. Um, it was a trailer for Eric Roberts is straight in real life, but it was mm-hmm. for a trailer for a movie called It's My Party. Oh my God, that movie. Where, and I've never seen the movie. You haven't? I've actually never seen the movie, no. Um, that movie's so heartbreaking. What's even more heartbreaking is that I love Margaret Cho a lot and I have sought out to watch all of her movies and I can't bring myself to watch that one i also don't think i made it through bam bam and celeste but anyway my point is so i was watching um i forget what movie we my cousin and i rented a movie we were um we were in brigantine for the weekend or for the for a week over the summer that's where my parents had a timeshare and um regularly my parents would leave us at the hotel and go to um to the casinos to gamble. And my co- so my cousin and I would rent a movie and that's how we would like spend the evening. And there was a commercial for It's My Party before whatever movie it was that we were watching. And I remember my cousin being like, ew, I hate gay people. And I was just like, what? And she basically explained to me that her, um, her stepsister, who is a lesbian, um, has caused her parents to cry a lot. And how she just doesn't um, like that's all she sees is that like her parents are crying a lot Mm. because of her sister, like something that something about her sister and her being a lesbian. So um, that was one of the first 
Um, that was one of my first experiences with queer media. It's not necessarily the first person I saw on huh. TV. It so it was a negative one. Yeah, it was a very negative very one. Interesting. That's another movie my mother put on for us to watch. Really? <laughs> yes. Who is your mother? My mother liked gay. My my mother was a um a fat. Not no, she wasn't a fag hag. My mother just was very appreciative of basically every fat every facet of culture without judging it for the most part. I see. And so, <clears throat> I mean, she also grew up going to the uh drag shows that would come from puerto rico i think once a year or so to uh spanish harlem where they would perform and i am blanking on the name of the theater but my grandmother would take her to go see them and it was it was at the same like theater where on easter they would show this movie about the crucifixion of christ so it's like her dichotomy um you know but uh so she grew up really you know, appreciating gay culture, you know, drag queens, like the whole, you know, thing and, and really teaching us that it was um, in that, not just that it was acceptable, but that it was normal because it was a right. part of who we are. So anyway, uh, yeah, we saw a lot of queer things growing up. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Do you have another uh, story that you like? To oh, know? Hollywood from Mannequin. <gasps> yes, oh, my God. Yes. How, how dare I? Yes, 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 yes. Inspired my love of dusters and blouses. Just Hollywood was, is, is me, is me. Like, True. I am, I am that woman. We need to get you a polka dot. I, um, how do you know I don't have one? <laughs> no, a polka dot um, convertible. <gasps> I think he has the polka dot yes. convertible in the second movie. Now. Explain to me why. For some, because I, I watched this movie um, one weekend when my dad's uh, sisters were taking care of me, or like you know, I would just go and stay abuse. for them. What? Child abuse. Them no. letting you watch this movie. Well, no, I would stay with them with uh, stay with them for the weekend sometimes, and we would go to the movies or a park, you know, like hanging out, right? And and we would watch movies. So one of them was mannequin because we would go to blockbuster and i was allowed to pick two movies and i think that weekend i picked oh my god remember i picked terminator and mannequin what (laughs) oh god i think it was it was the terminator i don't remember with the guy who had like the the like melty sword arm the the melty guy the the metallic guy what that he was like a police officer but he was like you're talking to the wrong person i've never anyway, seen any of these movies so it was terminator and mannequin mannequin because i liked what i was you were heading them. in the right direction with mannequin okay. god damn it anyway so i thought mannequin was awesome cuz i i just liked the concept right mm-hmm. i forgot how old i was or whatever but when hollywood came on stage i was like oh this is where it's at she is the center of the movie that like huh, that she i can't even do it hollywood, but yeah hollywood, it's they so, called to me the donuts they and and me. i knew <laughs> i already knew what time it was with him and it was just the fashions you know, he wore mm-hmm. whatever he wanted. And um, I like when he talked about uh, his partner leaving him because his like thighs were too like he gained weight in his thighs or his hips. I forget how it goes. But uh-huh. um, yeah, Hollywood like when. Oh, I'll tell you why. So I asked my mom to buy me this tracksuit that we saw at a store. Uh Okay. Uh oh. Get ready for it. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was so bad. I have photos of it. I have to look for it. Uh oh. So it was a silk, jewel toned patchwork tracksuit. 
Okay. I don't know what any of those words mean. You don't know what a tracksuit is? I know what a tracksuit is. Okay. So jewel tone, like um, deep reds and blues, like emerald greens, like things like those colors. It was like all of those colors together? Well, it was a patchwork of different like jewel tones jewel tones okay with the zip-up jacket I'm starting and I, to understand and i had a matching emerald green turtleneck that i would wear tucked in so your mom let you buy this oh she bought it for me okay she was like oh it's silk and i was like oh it's silk like yeah so because <laughs> my silk phase was right before my velvet phase wow but anyway when i wore that and went to elementary school stop in it, it with my my high top reeboks that you could um stick uh velcro patches on so mm-hmm. i had the patches that matched the the track suit mm-hmm. i felt like hollywood because it was soft and like flowy mm. as, i mean as flowy as a silk track suit can be wow but anyway there you go that wow was, Mm-hmm. Um, my first person, and this was my original answer, but I forgot that that was my original answer. The first gay person I saw um, on TV had to have been Divine in Hairspray because I watched Grease and Hairspray, like basically, you know, whatever you call that. At the same time? Not at the same back time, but like back to back, like mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I thought Divine was a woman. I've said that before I mean, on this show. Mm-hmm. She was. Do you have another instance? I mean, it's cliche, but it's the, the you know, the cast of Tu Wang Fu. I mean, mm. they weren't gay, but their characters were. Right. Or some sort of, you know, some See, version of that. And I know, believe they were women when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, we've had this conversation before. And that's very interesting to me that you thought they were women. And I think that goes to show or that's a testament to um, my parents, like the depth of their denial. Mm hmm. I I like it was passed on to me where I was just see but he, here's the thing denial. about those about the three characters is that it is still to this day very it, it boggles my mind that Wesley Snipes and Patrick Swayze in particular those two actors first of all did this movie okay uh-huh. and did it as well as they did yes because like you could not tell me that wesley snipes was not a woman that noxima well, that noxima jackson was not a real like a fully realized person i'm gonna tell you this i love me some noxima jackson and i also love vita Boem. but um when i saw all of the girls that were competing in that pageant and i saw who won i felt like it was rigged girl aren't they always though even then aren't those pageants always i mean rupaul was hosting that pageant wasn't she (gasps) yes but it was old rupaul not new 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 rupaul you mean old rupaul who just looks new now No, no 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 i mean i guess i mean young rupaul who didn't have like you know this um artiste painting her face mm. oh but i still think it's the same person well me she still liked herself then <gasps> wow no if the makeup's I'm, any I'm... indication she didn't have a reason but um <laughs> wow <laughs> wow i was just kidding i'm kidding too um Duh. also can i tell you i thought for a long time that her drag name was rachel cheche <laughs> No, Rachel Chen Chen. Rachel Chen Chen. I was like, because I was like, oh, like Cha Cha Chen Chen. So one one day, because we watched that movie a lot at my house, like we wore out the tape. And I was like, but mom, why? Mind you, 
I have my moments, right? So I said, Mom, but why is she wearing a Confederate flag dress, right? And she looks at me and she's like, really? Really? And I go, what? And she goes, her name is Rachel Tension. And I was like, Tension? She's oh like, yes. God. And I was like, I thought it was Chen Chen. And she said, it's stupid though. That's what I would have told and you. And she too. goes, she's black. It's a Confederate flag. Rachel Tension. And I was like, oh, wow. okay. I was like 12. That's a bigger deal to me than, than your mom making you watch all these movies. My parents would have never had that conversation with me. Ever. What? They would have never been like. Oh, explaining They it? would have never explained oh. it. They would have been like, estupido, se llama Rachel. And that's it. They would have moved on. I don't know. I mean, I just, I thought that movie was um, very impactful because I feel like those characters are, are real people. Like I said, um, we used to, <laughs> I have an aunt who um, had her hair styled the same way as Chi Chi and kind of looked like her at times and spoke like her. So we would call my aunt Judy Chi Chi Rodriguez and she didn't understand it. Until I was staying with her one weekend in Queens and I was like, hey, let's watch Tu Wong Fu. And she's like, what's that? And I go, you know, you know, the character that like we like gave we make you fun her of you. Yeah. And when she saw it, she was like, fuck all of you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And you're like, she's prettier than me. Wow. I mean, facts. Um, wow. You had you, <laughs> you had a lot of drag queen aunts because you had another one who was uh, John Travolta in Hairspray. <laughs> Right? You say that. Yes. You're not trying to put it out there? No, my brother said that. <laughs> we, also, we also call that Aunt Miss Piggy, so uh, it's not really... What? You're not trying to put that on Front Street? Oh, I don't care. It was my it was my Aunt Mildred, but like growing up... Wow, we would... you said her name! What? I have an Aunt Mildred. Anyway, yeah, we would call her Miss Piggy, but it was more because of her personality, and my uncle is very skinny, so it was like Piggy and Kermit. I think you're one of those people that my parents warned me about. What do you mean, a Puerto a Rican? Sin vergüenza. That's well, what, what I do I have to have vergüenza about? I'm not being nasty. You said her name. So? That's, that I was saying she was a terrible person. Must be triggering for her at the check cashing place. Anyway, um, let me tell my last one. Do I have another one? Wow. What? Did I get you? Wow. Pra. I understand keeping it 100, but still. Um, let's see. What do I remember? Oh, okay. So this has nothing to do with... Well, it is queer media. And it is relevant because relevant to Drag Race. Um, I remember when the first season of Drag Race was airing. Um, I still lived with my parents. And to me, like, the pinnacle of fancy was watching TV in the living room. Because the living room was a shared space. But my parents obviously had first dibs because it was their house. So if they weren't home or if they were not utilizing the living room, I was allowed to watch television there and I loved to go to um, Pollo Tropical and get um, an order of ropa vieja and then come home and watch um, the uh, the Mac Viva Glam episode from season one because I was just so excited for Angina to win. I know it was a sad episode. I would usually turn it off like right after she like after they announced her as the winner. I'd be like, yay, turn it off. Like it's just. So you just created your own reality there. 
Well, because it's like, it's a lot to, like, I obviously when that happened, I was very affected by that. I think I sent her a message and I was like, you are so um, inspiring and I love you on the show and whatever. My brother and I and watched she responded, that and cried. Right? It was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that was like my favorite thing to do. One day I made the mistake of doing it like a little too close to when my parents were going to be coming home. And my father walks in and sees me watching Drag Race and it's like, turn that television off i don't want to watch these men in dresses and i was like okay pretty sure i saw you in the living room watching um what is it called the uh, um, oh the gran canaria the the um, the drag like the drag festival that they have on the canary islands amazing. and i was like what the what the fuck you can watch that but i can't watch drag race what is this like so that's just something that stuck with me maybe it's because the queens from the canary islands were fiercer I mean, I will say... I mean, we all know that season one filter. <laughs> um, I feel like my dad is okay with it because they have bare... Like, they're all bare-chested in that festival. They're usually, like... It's usually, like, the queens are wearing heels and, like, hot pants, but their chest is shown. Oh, yeah, and they're in those stilts. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of androgynous. It's a very different form of drag. Right. Because um, it's, like, a, like, full-on set pieces. Do you remember we watched it last year? Yeah, it was amazing. I do. And who sent us the link? My dad. Did he really? <laughs> it was probably my dad through my mom. Yeah, but yeah. But um, it was amazing. I didn't. I didn't know that you could find that on YouTube. Um, I guess. I mean, my parents had the. They have the channel. They have the channel. Yeah. So it was like airing fancy. live. Yeah, because my parents are fancy. Because my mother loves her um her uh novelas from Spain. They're like period pieces and shit mm-hmm. it's too much um yeah so do you have anybody else no i think we're gonna um we're gonna wait till next week mm-hmm. um, i wonder what we'll talk about next week i think we should talk about like queer music hats. let's talk about hats. hats 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 for ladies hats hats on cats um well before we go to break Millinary. um on, you know, until our next episode, why don't you you all tweet us or Instagram us or whatever who the person you know the first queer person in media first stop stop you've been chopped 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 I can't speak. um <laughs> back me up here why don't you tweet us um why don't you tweet us the first person that you remember seeing in some form of queer media. Mm-hmm. Like, tweet us a picture. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this will be a fun game. Mm-hmm. I'm and so not just excited. Twitter. We're on Instagram and Facebook, too. So yes. But Twitter is fun because, like, everyone can see it. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, let's do that. Mm-hmm. That sounds like fun. <laughs> I'll see you there. Um. So <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. Girl, you need it. <laughs> when we come back, we have lots of your listener questions. So stick around. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Quip, an innovative oral care brand that makes it easier than ever to maintain a healthy brushing routine. The simple secret to great oral health is good technique, consistent brushing, and regular upkeep. Do away with the myth that more power and features means a better clean by trying out their beautifully designed electric toothbrushes. They also take the guesswork out of replacing your toothbrush by delivering a new head and fresh batteries to you every three months. Shipping is free and you can cancel at any time. We use Quip and it's made us smile more because our teeth are actually clean. Quip is offering you, our listeners, $10 off your first refill by signing up at tryquip.com slash kiki. Again, that's tryquip.com slash kiki. Quip, 
oral care designed for a modern lifestyle. And we're back, and we have some listener questions and comments this week. As if this is new. You can send your listener questions to grizzlykiki at gmail.com. We love to hear from you. Mm -hmm. Do you want to start us off? Or should it be me? Um, I'll start. Is it offensive to do voices like that? Okay, go ahead. I don't know. Is it offensive to do voices like this? Like, offensive? This is what I live with. Okay. So, Caroline writes in, um, I've been binge listening to your, I've been binge listening your podcast the past few weeks to drown out my, my coworker who sings all day at work. Oh my God. Oh, way to be everybody. That line is so relatable. I mean, Ah! right? Um, wait till you have one that, uh, taps and raps on the desk all day. Um, and she says, and I'm obsessed with this podcast. But anyway, I'm totally, what is this? Sorry. Oh, I'm totally with y'all. Oh, I'm totally with you all and kind of being confused about the edits and overall weirdness of season 10? Season 10 at this point. Sorry. I forget that we're in season 10. I think we're in season 11 already. Um, I love the queens, but at this point, the only thing I'm looking forward to <clears throat> for this season is to see what Sasha Velour wears to the crown, to the crowning and the, sorry, wears to the finale. Sorry. Um, to crown the winning queen at the finale. Thank you. I cannot wow. read today. I apologize, Caroline. Butchering your Guys, words. reading is fundamental. Um, and she can't read today. Not just the shady kind. Um, I'm sure it's going to be the best fashion of the whole season. Not really a question, more of a statement, but Sasha's outfits are always the best part of everything. I- Once again, way to be everybody. Right? She showed up as a fucking praying mantis at DragCon with a moth-like uh thing on her With arm. a moth clock? I was trying a moth corsage. A moth corsage. Um and if you haven't seen it, it's just gorgeous. But yeah, she really she really does turn the fashions. She um, really does. I had totally forgotten about that until mm-hmm. Caroline sent us this email. And I was like, yes, we are gonna see what's I, I mean wears. they're filming the finale the day that this today, the day that this episode comes out. So <gasps> what? Young? Um, I believe it's June 8th, isn't it? Or maybe this weekend. I don't know. You know the date? Sure. Yeah, maybe. Oh, I feel so betrayed. You didn't tell me. Um, Or maybe not. I don't know. Why don't you pretend they are? Because I think they are, but now I'm not sure because of you. Um, I'm excited to see what she's going to wear. Yeah. Somebody has to top what Violet did. Oh, yeah. Like, I, mean, I mean, good luck. Please. Good please. luck. Um, Let's so, move yeah. on to our next email. From Christina, she says, Hi, since we have a week off from Drag Race, I have a question. And please feel free to title this under Stupid Questions from a cisgender Becky. Why do drag queens sell enamel pins? This is such a common topic lately. People being like, ugh, I hate the enamel pin. It's such a waste of time and money. You know, I, on, on um, Big Dipper, James Mansfield and Meatball were talking about that on Unbearable. Shout out to Unbearable. Right? It's my new favorite podcast. I'm, I I didn't even know about it, which was really I know, stupid right? that I didn't know because yeah. we love Meatball and we love Big Dipper and we had them on our show, so I'm kind of embarrassed. Um, yeah, just a little bit. Just a smidge. But but I'm playing but catch we're here up, now. We're here now. And they are everything. And I don't know if they're listening, but if they are, guys, your snack times are what I live for. I love their interview style. And the pepperoncini chips are disgusting. So oh. I agree with Meatball. Okay. Um, the interviews are amazing. I love their their interview style, mm-hmm. like specifically that. Um, 
let's see. So she, she has a couple of other questions. Are they simply merch? Is there a cultural significance to it being a pin on enamel? Does whoever has the most win? <laughs> Are they collectible? Will MoMA have an exhibit of them in 75 years? Are they to be traded? Who started this? How do I display them? <laughs> I feel like you really conveyed Christina's confusion. It was a dramatic reading. I feel like I need to shake paper to and make it sound like... And he's not being like, shady, Christina, because I think it's true. Um, I feel like... Okay, so I feel, <laughs> I feel, I feel like you're coming for me. Um, coming for your passion? I, I have a bag. I have like a denim, like a denim looking book bag that I wear every day. And it is covered in enamel pins. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but as a... Okay, so I'll put it to you like this. Um, and I don't think this is at all um, like a stupid question from a cis girl or whatever, whatever she and titled it. No, I don't you, think, you've no. written into us before, Christina. And you, I remember you what you wrote finger... into us before. So you are not a stupid, a stupid question asking cisgendered Becky. Yes, that's what she called it. Yeah. Um, I think this is I think you've got your finger on the pulse. It is. It's a strange. It, like... is, it is a bit of a strange phenomenon. But I want I will say. Your alternative is to buy clothing, right, from said drag queen. And as mm-hmm. a bigger person myself who does not fit, even when they have like a 3X, for example, sometimes it doesn't fit. Most mm-hmm. of the time it doesn't fit. The enamel pins are one size fits all. Mm-hmm. And I can just proudly display them all over my bag, hit people with them on the bus. Protect yourself at night in the alleys. A woman the other day was like pointing at them and being like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and giving me very like, hmm eyebrows you know yeah yoda (laughs) (laughs) but that's what she she wasn't speaking because i kept looking at her like what a a lot of a lot of people comment on them and i i too have a bag although i prefer a black leather bag myself um because i was like i want to display all these pins and and it is true robert's saying like sometimes the t-shirts don't fit i personally don't wear t-shirts like outside of the house like they are my uh my like at home you know, like t-shirt and short thing. I don't, I don't like the way they cling or anything. Um, so I won't wear a drag queen shirt out of the house. Um, but I will wear a pin and it's like jewelry. It's an accessory and accessories are a big person's first bet, like best friend. They always fit, you yep. know, and, and you can move them to things and they're shiny and you know what? They last longer than a t-shirt. Um, as yeah. well. Um, some of them are better made than the t-shirts yeah I, would say. Uh, I i know like specifically like sasha and shay's pins which were the first that we started buying are stunning there's so much care put into the design and in the production that um they just really stand out um and you know like all the girls pins are beautiful as yeah. well um sasha's pins well shay and sasha's pins are quality mm-hmm. they're stunning mm-hmm that's yeah. why they're worth collecting. Yeah. And now and the one with the, the person with the most does win, actually. Well, <laughs> it's also it's also kind of interesting because I remember we were at, a, I think it was the last nightgowns that we went to here in New York. Um, oh, the one where, where Lip Sync performed. We were standing outside of, of National Sawdust and I just had my bag and there were these two uh, guys in front of us and they were just like, oh my God, I don't have that one. I don't have that one. And it's like, you can just, add. it was just such a weird, like, do you want to touch thing. it? And I'm like, well, duh, didn't you subscribe to the Sasha Velour Pin of the Month Club? Also, that bitch had a Pin of the Month Club. That's fierce. Like, I remember when I found out that she was doing that, I was like, yes. Like, why not? 
I remember you know? telling you about it and I was like, yes, we're doing this. Yeah. Yes. I was like, yes, it's like the Franklin Mint. I couldn't handle it. Um, also, it was a bargain because all of those pins sell for at least $10. Yeah. And there were how many? It I don't was, even remember. It was, it was a lot. Like 16? I, I know it was, it was $80 to subscribe. Yeah. And you got pins. The I think it was two patches. Yep. Um, and oh, you even got the special finale pins too. But even if you like forget about the other, like the patches that you got, just the pins alone right there is like double what you paid Mm -hmm. for the subscription. But I mean, other girl, you know, kimchi has beautiful pins. Um, oh my God. They're so adorable. She had like a menu at DragCon Mm -hmm. and I was just staring at it. Like they're so cute. Yeah. Jiggly even had a pin this year. She did. So hopefully she'll have more. Um, yeah, because they sold out. But they're even like, uh, but wait, going back to like if they're collectible or not. So I know this much. I know that for years people have been putting pins on their denim jackets. And, you know, like uh, my mom had a ton of pins from when she would go to concerts because, you know, you you, you decorate specifically your denim jacket with all of your concert pins. Um, Hence why I have a denim book bag. Our, our friend Robert Villegas, who hosts the Richard. Oh my god! What did I call him? Robert. Robert. Hi, I'm Robert. Richard Villegas, who hosts the Songmas podcast. Yep. He would always wear a like this denim jacket filled with pins from all of the um bands he would go to. So it's common. Um, and I know at Disney World they have like a um or uh, either a lanyard or a sash where you could put all the pins that they sell like every year. And I don't like that. Well, because people would collect them, and so like some of them were limited edition, and like you know it was just somewhere where you could put them why not put them on a jacket i don't know robert they don't make a mickey mouse denim jacket all i know is there was a stitch pin that i really wanted and i got it and then i lost it and i can't i can't get it again yeah it was gone like it was a disney world pin and they had it like at a disney store on fifth avenue like just a few of them that they brought in Uh and like they never had them again i wanted to get you a pin of uh, Stitch dressed as Maleficent. That's one of the ones. And it's... they don't make them anymore. No. They're so rare. They're yeah. so rare. They don't make the shirts either. Yeah. It was from when they were marketing Lilo and Stitch and they had Stitch appear in all of the Disney movies, like running through them. And oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. So, like in Beauty and the Beast, he was hanging from the chandelier going, <laughs> um, but yeah. But I, I think. Pins have a very long history. And I know that MoMA has pins in their collection. So maybe they will. Do you want to read our next email? Maybe. I will, actually. Um, So Justin writes in, uh, Hey, ladies. Hey, ladies. I've been listening to the podcast for a while now and decided it was finally time to write in. I really enjoyed listening to your podcast and have listened to almost every episode twice. I honestly never thought I'd ever find myself so interested in drag, but I've really enjoyed learning about the art of drag. One of my best friends was a drag queen, um, and her her name was uh, Treasure Nicole Gardner from Beaumont, Texas. And I always supported her and and her shows, and even helped her with his with her mixes. But at the time, I didn't know much about drag culture. Sadly. <clears throat> treasure passed away over a year ago and has left me with a great emptiness and one of the ways i've tried to fill the void is learning more about gay and drag culture through that i stumbled on your podcast i've really enjoyed learning about all the different types of drag and all the effort that goes into it i'm originally from texas and was only familiar with the pageant style of drag so it's really neat knowing that there are so many other forms out there 
I have to be honest. I think I could listen to y'all talk about anything. And some of the more recent episodes where you just talk about what's on your mind, I've really enjoyed. Also hearing you uh, talk about wanting to develop a healthier relationship with food has made me look at my own relationship with food. And I've started to make some changes. Thank you for making such an amazing podcast that I always get excited about when I see a new episode. I look forward to hearing many more episodes from y'all in the future. Oh, thank you, Justin. Thanks, Justin. Um, we're very sad to hear that your friend passed away, um, even if it was a year ago. Um, I actually looked up Treasure Nicole Gardner, and she was a really amazing and talented queen from Texas who unfortunately passed away um, just before she was entering a national pageant that she'd been raising money for. Oh, so it's uh, yeah, it's very sad when there's a loss in the community like that. Yeah. Um, I would love to know what Justin wants to hear us talk about. Um, yeah. these episodes where we just talk about whatever. Maybe we could um make that happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> shout out to you, Justin. Thanks for writing in. Um, this next email comes from Megan, and she says, "Hello, listening to your latest episode. <laughs> um, <laughs> listening to Hello. your latest." <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs> I did it for effect. Oh, hello. Listening to your latest episode, 525 Current Events episode. Oh, you wrote that in, didn't you? I wrote that in so I can remember which one it was. Uh, Inspired me to write you and tell you exactly how much I enjoy your show and in particular your recaps. Yours is the only show where I tune in every week to hear your reactions and opinions. You are the only recappers where I know I will not end up listening to some regurgitated, vaguely racist slash sexist tropes. Oh, I appreciate hearing you say that and i hope that you will keep us um you will keep us honest if we ever do uh make mistakes um are you critical of drag race fuck yes someone has to be is your criticism off-putting fuck no if anything else if anything you have helped me put words to the gross aftertaste i have been left with after watching the show especially this season if you choose to stop recapping, I will continue listening to your wonderful interviews with amazing queens that I will probably never be able to see in person. But I could not let it go unsaid that for every twat who thinks you are too negative, there are other listeners who want the backstory and interpretation that you give to each episode. Lots of love from Canada. That is so nice to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, we have been struggling a little bit with the idea that um, people are... Um, Saying that we're too negative, and especially in our iTunes reviews, like it's been a little. Don't stop writing them, though. No, like don't. it's not. We're not like don't criticize us because you know what criticism is. No, we're not. We're no, not no, about no, no. criticism like, at all. God, no, and no. I don't want to e- put even that if out it's there. something we don't like. Like that's not the yeah. Don't no 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 not at all. Know. But we like to respond and engage. But I will be honest. I feel like if you're someone who's been listening from the beginning, I feel like I have made progress in terms of how I. Uh, um, how I approach critiquing these girls because mm-hmm. it is my goal not to be negative, but to be factual and mm-hmm. opinionated from a um, um, opinionated from an educated standpoint. Mm-hmm. That is my that has been my goal. I think starting with like season nine going forward. You were much nicer on season, but it's nine. not really about being that. And that's the thing is that it's not about being nice. It's about trying to stick to the facts. As opposed to letting it get personal. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I resent the idea that we're being negative because I don't think we're being negative. To me, the idea of being negative is to be um, to have a, a, a like a, a contradictory view 
in a particular setting just so that you can be on the opposite end of what everyone else is doing and so that you can like yeah have a soapbox or, where your like your opinion is the only opinion or also just being negative for the sake of being negative like being like I don't like that and there's no like cuz sometimes somebody could be negative or you know love something for example yeah. and have their reasons and it's you know justified and you may not agree with it mm-hmm. um but that doesn't mean that it's bad. Like, you know, there there are things I've heard on other podcasts or even I see on Facebook that people are like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I'm like, OK, like, I don't think so. But they yeah. have their reasons. So it's um, if there's a conviction. reason, if there's conviction behind it, you may not like it or it may not sit well with you. But that's but- that's the thing about it is like, I I think you know, again, speaking for myself, I mm-hmm. think that I have tried to be more, well, first and foremost, I want, I want my opinion to be understood to be my own opinion mm-hmm. and not the opinion of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, You're also not trying to make people like agree with you. The The, the, the no. point of this is not to get anybody to agree with anything that either of us is saying. No, I just think that like, I am trying to be a better person mm-hmm. by not coming from a negative perspective when Mm -hmm. I'm critiquing drag and I'm still getting the critique that I'm being negative. And I suspect that it now is because I'm not being like a Stan. Mm. I'm not just plain old, like falling over myself for every single one of these contestants and every single thing that they do and every single challenge on the show. I'm not going to do that. Because I'm a critical viewer. Listen, and you, I don't want to be anything but a critical you viewer might ever. Stand, but they might just roll their eyes at you in public. <sighs> Ain't it the truth? So, saying. I mean. But anyway. Um, two birds, one stone. <laughs> You're welcome. Go ahead. What were you saying? <laughs> no, I, I really appreciated. it. Um, <gasps> shut up. Um, I really appreciate uh, Megan that you you wrote you wrote in because as as I responded to you separately, um, I think that it's really nice to hear that other not not just that people agree with us because again it's not about agreeing but it is the fact that there there has to be the there's the, an appreciation for the work that we're doing yeah and and there it's, has to it's, be it's not about agreeing or disagreeing well it's, more than that it's that you know? it is thank you for I, I guess like making the room for us to be able to have our opinions if that makes any sense like you're basically saying well there's room to to talk about these things in a different way and you know drag race has created this this culture of like recap podcasts i think because i don't remember a time where there was such a thing before drag race you know recapping specific shows and now there's i'm saying i don't remember i don't know but you know it was like, a thing yeah a thing before so that. um Lots of people have different opinions. And like I was talking to somebody today on Facebook about it, how the show gets everybody who watches it wrapped up in the machine. And sometimes you need to step back and realize that this is it, it's a like it's a machine. It's a machine. It's a machine. Just that. And it gets Some people don't on. even know it's a machine. It gets turned on and it gets turned off and it needs its cogs. And, you know, if one of those cogs is not you know moving the way they want it to they'll fix it they'll replace it they'll make it look a certain way um and you know you say what you say on the show whatever right but like again it's they can take things out so um i i really appreciate that you know somebody 
wrote in about this because it is something that um is kind of hard to navigate because I don't want to get people angry. I don't want um but I feel like we cater to people like Megan who it sounds to me like Megan is also a critical viewer. Yeah, because it's not again, we're not criticizing the girls in you know necessarily it is it's the machine. Yeah. You know, it's um it's it's what it's doing. Um so yeah, it's it, you get wrapped up in it. You are taught that you have to feel a certain way about somebody, and you know, like we saw with the Vicks in this season and, and seasons before that, that the fans go in really hard and really nasty with certain girls. Well, and, yeah, and you know, um, but I think this season we saw the um, the overwhelming racism of it all. Yes, exactly. Because you know it. No better illustration than the Vixen not starting a fight and the entire mm-hmm. fan base getting mad at her yeah. instead of at Aquaria mm-hmm. or Eureka. Like, and, and the thing is that this show, because it's like turning something like the art of drag and drag queens into a reality show, there's really nothing else like it because this art form is always experienced in such a in close quarters and is in and of itself an incredibly small community. So you're picking from what what in what may seem like a very large pool of people, mm-hmm. but it's not. And so everybody knows each other, and people knows what these girls are like in real life. And yeah, y- y- you know, so this show gets a, a different level of um, scrutiny, I think, than other reality shows. And part of it is talking about what the structure of the show is like. Yeah. So, um. I think that everyone should be critical, critical listeners, critical viewers. You know, mm-hmm. I think that if you're not being critical of something, then you're not helping it grow. Mm-hmm. So thank you to critical yeah. listeners who have helped us grow. And if you can't name a girl, a, a queen other than queens that have been on Drag Race, you're not a fan of drag. Yep, that's true. Um, well, thank you to all of our all of the people who wrote us. Um, and uh, that brings us to the end of our episode. Thank you so much for listening. We are Grizzly Kiki on everything. That means Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please go and follow us. Send your questions at grizzlykiki at gmail.com and maybe we'll read yours on the air. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. So until next time, CS Boya, Tiana, que ser bueno. bueno.